how are we doing this morning? Good, good, good. If you have your Bibles, grab those. Uh, Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5 is where we'll be this morning, verse, verse 1. Uh, Luke 5, 1. Um, had, uh, was, was here this morning for a minute, and um, Summer comes up to me, she's like, uh, it's 9-11. I'm like, okay. I mean, oh, that 9-11, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I, and, and, I, and I got to thinking about that, and then my wife called me earlier too, she's like, hey, you know it's not, I said, yeah, it's 9-11, um, and I think the thing that kind of blows my mind for, for me is, is how quickly we can forget things, um, and I know 9-11 doesn't necessarily have anything to do with this day in here as we gather in this place, but it was a day that definitely uh, shaped our, our, our nation, shaped um, probably even, even us a little bit, and just how quickly... Uh, we can forget of uh, that tragedy or that horrific day, and um, and I just I, I never want to. Man, I, I always want to remember those things and remember that feel because it easy it is easy as time fades for things to uh, fade with it. And um, I mean, it was a horrific day where it would have appeared that our nation. Um, it was a day that it felt like God maybe got our attention a little bit, or or God got a little focus. Uh, a little bit more than than normal, and so uh, I don't know if you remember where you were at, but I remember that I was walking my high school halls uh, out of English class for that my senior English class, um, and I walked by the library and I look over, and people just gather around the TV, mouths gaping open, and I'm like, "What in the world?" And, and I, I didn't realize the impact that that would have on me following, but. Um, to think that we can gather in this place today and celebrate our religious freedom and celebrate who Jesus is, I don't want us to forget that either. Because this can kind of become a routine as well, or this can kind of become just another thing that we do as, as well. And oh yeah, Jesus, and then we'll remember, like, oh Christmas, okay, yeah, we, but, but today is just as important in worshiping and following Jesus as, as any other day. And, and I just want to, I don't want us to, to forget or become desensitized to that, just like I had a little bit with, with 9-11 and how horrific of a day uh, that was as lives were taken. Uh, um, selfishly, and then some ran into a building to try to rescue and save, and I'm just, I'm just reminded of the goodness of God even in the midst of. And, and I just don't want those things to, to slip me uh, like they had. And so... Um, I just, I just wanted to, to draw our attention to that for a moment, um, and, and then also want to, uh, real quick, as we're continuing in the New Testament this morning, we'll be here in Luke in a few minutes, um, but just some neat things, some neat things happened this week in regards to that for me. Um, so I'm sitting in my, my small group middle of this week, and uh, we're sitting there in group, and as we're sitting there, I just look around the room, and these, these notebooks are opened, uh, and the notes that have been taken and jotted down, and questions about the scriptures, and thoughts about the scriptures, and I, mean, I, just, I just, I love that. I, I love seeing people with their, uh, their books open as, as, that, as we're just reading through the New Testament chronologically as a church, and in our small groups, and, and just to see that was just, just neat. It was, it was just awesome as, as people had their, their Bibles and their notes there, and, and we began to talk about it. And then I'm standing in the hallway, and as I'm standing in the hallway, um, uh, before all of this happens, uh, there's somebody, I can't remember who 
it was, but somebody comes walking up and they begin to talk to somebody else and, and, and I just kind of overhear this, this, this question of, well, man, have you, have you read the scriptures this week? Like, have you read today's reading? And they were like excited about reading the Bible and talking about it with somebody outside of their group or outside of, and I just, I, I love how God's word has kind of been the central uh, focus for us, the rallying point uh, for, uh, for us as a church and as a people and how we're, we're, we're all journeying together through, this, through the same thing. We're all walking through it uh, together, reading and looking at the same thing. Um, and, and then I'm going to get to preach about it. And as I'm sitting in group, Cricket is about to uh, work my sermon out for me as she begins to, to talk about this next week. We're talking about this week. So you, um, and I was like, dang it, she's going to preach it in small group. But she didn't. And so, but I just, I love that. I love to be able to gather around God's word. And, and we have this commonality. We have this direction we're going. We're, we're all uh, in, in unison uh, with that. And so just, just absolutely love that this morning. And so um, to get us to Luke 5, I'm going to ask you if you'd join me as we pray, um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump into the scriptures this morning. So let's pray. Father, we, God, we just, um, we gather in this place this morning to seek you, to make much of you. Um, and Father, as I was reminded of what took place 21 years ago uh, in, this, in this nation, um, Father, and the wreckage that was left there, but God, from that, your goodness shone through, and we are so thankful, and we're reminded of your faithfulness and goodness even in the midst of tragedy. And so, Father, that's what the gospel story is. Everything was messed up because of sin. But Father, you offer a way. You offer hope. You show us. You show yourself to be true. So, Father, I just pray, God, this morning that you would work, that you would move. Father, that you would speak to the hearts in this room. Father, that you would speak to my heart, that you would direct me, that you would guide me, Father, that your will would be done. God, that you'd be glorified. And Father, if there's one in this room that don't know you, God, that you would rescue and redeem and save. And Father, for the heart that needs to hear from you this morning, as I would venture to say, that's all of us. Father, that, that we would hear what you have to say. Father, be glorified in this place. Stand we pray. Amen. I mean, so, so the, the driving force behind where we're going to be this morning is this, is I just want to look at how a skeptical act of silly obedience forever changed a few fishermen as well as give them a new purpose and call in their life. So, so that's what we're going to look at from this story, Luke chapter 5, starting in, in verse, verse 1. And this is what God's Word says. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the Word of God. And, and so I don't know how you're reading through. I don't know how that's working for you. But for me, like, I'm a why guy. Like, I want to know why. I want to know why that's there, what's happening, what's going on. And so um, uh, this just kind of uh, intrigued me as I was reading through it. The crowd, they're pressing in uh, to hear, hear the Word of God from Jesus. And so I just asked that question. I began to look. I went back, and as we've read through uh, uh, Luke so far up to this point, I was reminded of some things about Jesus, that he, he is very, very different than anyone that they have ever experienced or, or come across. I mean, he's healing the sick. He is uh, 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 getting rid of demon possession. I mean, he's doing a, a number of things up to this point, and he's teaching with authority. So the way that he lived his life, the way that he interacted, the things that he did uh, was a little bit outside of the norm. The way that he uh, walked around and the way that he taught with authority. And so it got me thinking, what about you? What, what, what about me? Has, has others noticed a difference in us? Because the crowd, the people here in this day, they noticed something about Jesus, but have they, is that what people would say about you, about me? And I always want to press us here because I believe as the world just gets crazier, as the world gets 
darker, as things get wonkier, I believe that if we just live by his standards, if we just live by his word, it's going to get people's attention. Because the world doesn't live like that. The world doesn't respond like that. The world doesn't act like that. And if we just, if, if we just do the basics of following out our faith, I believe we will be blaring in our world, in our culture, in days to come. And so as I read this, that thought, I mean, do you live it out? Do we live it out? So he's, the crowd's pressing in to hear the word of God, and he's standing there by the lake of Genesaret. Like the lake there is just a fresh body of water. It's kind of a main, main source of water and commerce there. So there would be a large group of people there. So Jesus goes where there's a lot of people, and verse 2 says that he sees two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out uh, of them and were washing their nets. So they're, they're tending, they're taken care of. They, uh, they had worked all night, as we'll see here later in the story. They, uh, they had been working and doing, so they're, they're, they're mending, they're taking care of, they're making sure they're ready for the, uh, for the next shift when they go out tonight. And so, so they're taken care of. And then verse 3 says, getting into one of the boats, this is Jesus, gets into one of the boats, which is Simon's. And, and so I just, I just stopped there for a minute and I just thought, if you know anything about Simon, as the story will progress in the Gospels, Simon is Peter. I mean, how awesome on this day, Jesus just happens, no, Jesus doesn't just happen to get into Simon's boat. It's not a coincidence. God doesn't do coincidences. God is sovereign, so he's in control. He understands. He knows. He's, he is sovereign. Uh, he's intentional. He's, he's aware. And so in this moment, he, he, knew, he knew whose boat he was getting in. He knew what he was doing, and he steps into that boat, and, and he gets into his boat. And, and so I just want to say this, that, that you're not here today by accident. You don't go where you go by accident. You don't eat where you eat, no matter how much you like what you eat, by accident. God has planted and put that within you. God has guided you and directed you and taken you places for a specific purpose, I was talking to some friends this week, and we were just talking about how uh, the opportunity to reach out, the opportunity to, to tell people, uh, we believe that it's, that it's always around us, but the problem is we're just not aware of it. The, the problem is we're either self-consumed or we're, 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 we're so focused on whatever the task is at hand that we, we miss the opportunities that God gives us because we're just too busy or we're not quiet enough for a moment or we're not, we're not looking and watching and listening like we need to. But that's not the case with Jesus. Always intentional, always aware, always in the moment. And, and, and I would even argue that's the case for this morning. You being here in this place this morning to hear from God. Something that he wants to speak to your heart about. Something that he wants to challenge you with. That he wants to encourage you with. That he wants to draw you in even deeper with. And that's what we see Jesus do here. Getting into the boat, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And so this is a big deal because it was customary for a teacher to stand out of respect for reading of, of the scriptures, of the law. But what did Jesus do? Jesus sits humbly and he begins to teach. It's almost as if he's getting on their level. He wants to, wants to be down. He's not lording himself over. He's not rising himself above. But he's, he's getting down on their level and he begins to teach. He begins to, to tell them of the word of God. And I just, I love this picture here. I love the heart of Jesus, how intimate, how personal he is. And we see this over and over and over in Scripture, don't we? Like one of my favorite stories in the Scripture is a woman caught in adultery. They grab her, they bring her out, caught in the act, they throw her out at the feet of Jesus. They said, the law says to do this, but Jesus, what do you say? She should be stoned, but what is your response? 
And Jesus does his typical thing, don't he? He just kind of stands there in silence for a moment, bends down, begins to doodle in the sand, stands back up, and he just says, man, the one without sin cast the first stone. And man, I love the scriptures because it says from oldest to youngest, they drop their stone and they walk away. The only one left and able to pelt the woman with a stone was Jesus. And what does he do? He goes over and it says that he lifts up her face and he says, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? Now go and sin no more. He lifts, gets down and lifts up her face. And I can just imagine just glaring into her soul with his eyes. I mean, where are they at? You're so bad, but look, but look at their sin. I mean, can, can, you, can you imagine in that moment, that, that woman, as she probably braced for, for the first stone to be thrown? And the next thing she gets is, is the God of the universe lifting up her head and looking in her eyes. Where are they at? Where are they at, sis? They're just as guilty as you. They'll go and sin no more. I mean, I, mean, I, I love the heart of God. And the truth is, he does the same thing for us, does he not? He does the same thing for us. How does he do that? He, he steps out of heaven and he clothes himself in flesh and blood. And he lives a perfect, sinless life. And he goes to the cross. And with all intentionality, all heart, looks at us and says, I want you to be mine. I love you and I care for you. And I've got something so much greater than you can even imagine. And he lifts up our head and he, and he shows us who he truly is. And he shows us how great he is. He gets on our level when he comes after us. Love that about Jesus, the intentionality, the heart behind it. Verse 4 says this, that when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Um, now, I, I, don't know, I don't know where you fall, especially in this time as you read this story, understanding fishing protocol. Because if you look at me, know anything about me, uh, you know that I'm not a big fisherman. I... I, I I've never even taken a fish off a hook, y'all. And it's not because I haven't been around when a fish had been caught. I'm not the biggest fan of frogs, and kind of the consistency of the skin of a fish and a frog are very similar. And then they're flapping around everywhere. And then I heard one time that fish can cut you. I don't like to be cut. I don't know how true it is or it's not true, but I just, that's always stuck with me. And so I'm not necessarily afraid to like swim with them where they're at, but I just, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pet them. I don't want to grab them. I don't want to touch them. I, I don't need to do that. I'm fine. If I need fish, I will go to Long John Silver's and get me one. I'm like, I, I'm good. But, but in this day, at this time, the fishing protocol would be this. Fish were normally netted at night in shallow water. Well, this is the daytime in deep water. You see what Jesus is doing here? Daytime, deep water, the normal protocol, shallow water at night. Because they would migrate to deeper water, which would make them impossible to catch. Because their nets wouldn't go down that far, they wouldn't be able to do it. And so this request that Jesus is making to Simon would be, would be a bit crazy. It would be a bit off the wall, uh, not make very much sense. You've got Simon here who's a, who, who's a trained fisherman, right? Like, like this is his livelihood. This is what he does to support himself, his family. This, this is how he makes it. Like, like it, would be, it would be me walking on the Bass Pro Tour. I'm like, hey, boys, have you, have you ever thought about this worm? Well, where'd you get that? Down at the Walmart. 25 cent, man. 25 cent. How much was yours? $300? Why would you throw a $300 worm in there for that thing to eat? 25 cent. It, it, it makes no sense at all. It's craziness. It, it, this this, this is, makes no sense 
at all. And so I just had the thought as I was reading through even this morning, kind of looking at this one more time, it's not the way you do it. It's not the way that it's been done. But man, isn't there a message in that for us, church? Just because we don't normally do it that way or it's never been done that way doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to do it that way or go that way. I'm just going to let that sit there for a second. That was free. That's not part of the notes. That was just kind of free stuff there. But this is his livelihood. This is what, what he was doing. This is, this, this, this is who he is. And so Jesus, this teacher of the word, of the law, this rabbi tells him to do that. And, and look at his response in verse 5. And, and Simon answered, Master, no, that's not what you think it is there. That's not what it means. It's not, it's not like he's like, okay, it's Jesus, yeah. No, no he just he recognizes him as, as, as a teacher of the law. He, he's, he's elevated him to a different place of, of, of higher standing there in that in regards of that. He, he answers as, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing. So, so he's saying, man, we've done what we're supposed to do, and we've done it the way that we're supposed to do it, and we, we've not been able to catch anything, but at your word, I will let down my net. I will let down the nets. And I don't know how you read the scriptures, but, but as I read that, I've just always in my head read that with kind of just a high level of skepticism in his voice. You know, like, like if, if you have kids, fine, dad, I'll do it. Like, like, he's, like they're so excited about it, acting out in obedience and listening and doing what you've asked them to do. And so as I've looked at that, I've just, I've just read it that way, master. I mean, it's kind of like he's just lining himself up, your word, okay, I'll do it, even though I'm the trained one. You don't really know what you're doing, master, teacher, but at your word, there in verse 5, I love that, but at your word, regardless of the skepticism in his voice, regardless of the doubt in his heart, but at your word. And is that not just such a simple thought with difficult, difficult implications? Such a difficult, just, just at your word. And, and my thought was this, church, if we just do what Jesus says, if we would just do what Jesus says, man, not necessarily that life would be easier, but man, how it would go for us in our relationship with him. If we would just do what he says. I mean, what a profound statement that he didn't even understand that he was making in this moment. If we as followers of Jesus would just do this, if we would just know his word and then respond to it in obedience... Know his word and respond to it in obedience. My fear is that we don't fully know and understand and grasp his word. We're waiting for somebody else to tell us or we're waiting for somebody else to, to give it to us or we're waiting for, uh, but, but, but we have access to his word, what he said, what, what he expects of us. Man, if we would just know his word and do it and live it out and when we don't obey and do it, would we feel the conviction by the Holy Spirit, repent and then, and then do it. Let him work on our heart. And, and so this is, I don't know about you, but this is as a follower of Jesus, as a pastor of a church, whatever you want to label me at or put me at, this is what I'm constantly working on in my life, in my relationship with Jesus. What has he said, and am I doing it? What has he told me? What has he told me through his revealed word, and, and am I living that out in obedience? And I try to take it even a step further and have people in my life that I've given freedom to, to check me and press me on it. What is God teaching me right now? What is he saying to me right now? How am I doing living that out and actually doing what he said? And I don't know about you, but, but, but let's just let's pull it back for a second. I mean, there are things that he says that I don't like. What about you? I know it's church and it's hard to be honest, but we can do that. It's a safe place here, okay? 
There's things that he said that I don't like. I'm even going to go this far. There's things that he said that I don't want to do sometimes. And you know what happens? I don't. But you know what he does? He loves me enough to continue to come after me and say, hey, remember that one time you did it your way? Look at what happened. Remember that one time that I pressed on your heart, Scott, to do this? Look at what happened. Scott, look at what just happened right there. I'm telling you, when you listen to him and do what he says, it, it might not be comfortable. It might not be easy. It might not even make you feel bubbly in the moment. But, but what it does down the road in your relationship with him. And the thing that I've learned about Jesus is this, is that he hasn't asked me about how I feel or what I think about what he said. I've just learned my place. I've learned my place because I'm limited. Because I'm finite and he is infinite and he is all-knowing and, and, and he has created and he has, he has made and he has done. And so as a result of that, I'm going to default to the, the creator of the universe, the one who has spoken it into existence, the one who knows the ins and the outs of everything. So in my life right now, what this looks like is this. And I've been reading in Galatians, Galatians 1, Galatians 1, it'll be on the screen here in a second, Galatians 1, 10, I have it up here for you. But, but, but here in the context of this story, Paul, Paul's disappointed of the people in Galatia, how they've, how they've departed from the gospel, how they so quickly have just kind of moved away from the gospel or kind of uh, not made it of utmost importance. And so what does Paul do? Paul does what he always does. He corrects them and he uses some stout language in doing that. Um, and he even goes as far as to say if an angel would even show up and preach uh, a gospel contrary to what, what we've been known what we've been, what's been made uh, known to us. He, he says they should be accursed. They should be cut off and done away with. And, and then he says this in Galatians 1.10. He says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So, so I don't know about what you get out of that, but what I get out of that is this. It's God or y'all. Am I going to try to please God with everything in me and live in obedience to him and follow after him, even if it rubs, even if it frustrates, even if it aggravates, or am I going to try to make everybody else happy? Because what I've learned in life is that there's no way to make everybody happy. It's impossible to do that. But if I can go to bed at night, lay my head down, and know that I have pleased uh, uh, my Savior, my Redeemer, the creator of the universe, with my obedience in, in following him and doing what he says... And who cares about what y'all think? I mean that lovingly. And you should say that to me. As long as I do what God has revealed and shown me in his written word through his Holy Spirit in obedience to him, that's what should matter. If we just do what Jesus says, he'll bless, he'll move, he'll take care of. Every time. Every time. Maybe not the way that we think he should, but the way that he has willed and will do. So, so in doing what he says to do, sometimes this happens. He asks us to do things that seems crazy and makes absolutely no sense. Oh, went too, oh that was Galatians 1.10. That was going to be the scripture. There we go. It was there. Anyways, because sometimes whenever he does press upon us and asks us to do things, it's things that may seem crazy and make no sense, like fishing in the middle of the day out in the deep with nets that don't reach down there. That's what he asked them to do. And in those moments, what it's about, it's about obedience, it's about devotion, it's about dependency. Do you trust him regardless of how crazy it may seem? Uh, how illogical it may be? Are, are you going to trust him and follow regardless? 
Because what I've learned is that Jesus hangs out in the impossible and gets the utmost glory in doing things that makes absolutely no sense in our minds and hearts. If, if we can work it out and figure it out and do it in our life, then who gets glory? We do. But, but if, if it's something that makes no sense, something that, that only the creator of the universe, only God can do, then who gets glory? He gets glory and honor. I mean, if I can work it out myself or if I can figure it out myself, if I can just pull enough of us together and get our heads together and do some things like that and, and, and try to uh, uh, figure out and work some stuff and move some stuff and do some, then we get glory. But when it's in that place of impossible and don't make sense, it's God getting glory. So do you trust him regardless of how crazy and ridiculous the request that he might have on your life? Do you trust him there? Do you trust him there? And so what we have in this story is this, is a teacher of the law telling a professional fisherman how to fish, which is crazy. But Simon does it. He, he goes on with it. He's obedient even though it makes no sense. He's still going to be obedient. Look in verse 6, and this is what it says. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they began to fill both boats so much so that they began to sink. Get your head around that picture for a moment. Okay, Jesus, we'll do it. So they push a little bit deeper. They throw their nets out. What happens? They begin to catch fish. And they begin to catch so many fish that weigh so much uh, that it begins to, to, to tip their boat, begins to sink their boat, begins to take their, their boat that they can't sustain it. And they, can't have, they can't help it. It's going down. I mean, I just love that picture. Why? Because of this. Because one skeptical act of silly obedience would forever change everything about Simon's life. It's about to get real for Simon. Look at verse 8. It says, but when Simon Peter saw it, what did he do? He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. What Simon got was this. He immediately realized he was in the presence of the Holy One exercising his divine power. Simon saw in that moment and understood and realized who he was while understanding and realizing who Jesus is. See, Jesus went from master, this teacher, this, this, this guy of the law, to Lord. At the very end, look at that little tag. I am sinful man, oh Lord. What does that mean? It means God in the flesh, the one that Peter's people had been hoping for, authority, power, salvation. Peter understands and sees in that moment who he is with and who he is around. And the question I would ask you from that is this, how has your skeptical act of silly obedience fared? First and foremost, salvation. Have you, have you ever thought about how crazy of a story that is? Uh, that, that God made a woman pregnant with his baby boy. And the, the earthly dude is going to raise him. And he was okay with it. Well, he kind of wasn't at first. And then the angel shows up and kind of says, hey, pump the brakes, man. Remember, we... And so he... And then Jesus is born, kind of how it would be foretold, right? This manger, there's no room in the inn, manger, so he's born. Then what happens? They have to, they have to skip town because they're coming to kill him. King finds out, no. And he takes off. And then we pick back up in the story kind of where we're at. We get in the Gospels. We see his earthly ministry. We see some things happen there. It lives a perfect sinless life, no sin in him. And then what happens? He... He's taken in, he's beaten, he's flogged, crown of thorns, has to carry his own cross, and he goes to the cross and he dies. 
I mean, he is crucified, dead, buried. Three days later, rises again. Over 40 days, alive. Shows himself to over 500 people. Ascends to the right hand of the Father. I mean, the church booms. I mean, the story itself seems a bit crazy, does it not? But for some reason, some way, it just makes perfect sense in my heart. And I don't know about you, but it makes perfect sense. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has indwelt me, has opened up the reality of what the gospel is, who Jesus Christ is. So, so to begin with, the, the first act of silly obedience is, is trusting him for your salvation. I mean, if he can defeat sin, death, and the grave, why would I not trust him with everything? Why would I not give him my life? If, if, he's, if he's shown himself over and over and over to be true, if, if the, the words were spoken previous and, and all of it has come to be, to be true and fulfilled about who Jesus Christ was and what he would do. I mean, this isn't something these little cowardly dudes got together and like, hey, let's, let's try writing like a, a bestseller, a, a, a number one hits book. We'll call it the Bible. Like, it, it wasn't one of those things. It was pressed upon by the Holy Spirit on the heart of, of, of men to pen and that first act of silly obedience is salvation. And it's like from that day forward, every time that we take that act of obedience, it just gets us to the next. And over time, after, after following obediently, obediently following, obediently following, it, we stand on the cusp of something else that may seem crazy at that moment. And what do we have to look back to? But all of those other times that we took that one step in obedience, where God has proved himself, God has shown himself, God has done the work and, 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 and made a way where there seemed to be no way. And it helps us take that next step of silly obedience. It helps us to be reminded of. Like, I can only imagine as I read this story, but, but I believe just reading into it, this is Scott, this is not Bible, but I, I would just imagine that there would be uh, uh, times and moments where Peter would go back and remember the boat moment. I, I, could, I could just, in, in my mind, in my head, as, 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 as he is, is commissioned with, 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 with going with the church, in his life. Or maybe when death was imminent for him and it was coming and it was nipping at his, at, at his heels. Maybe he circled back to that day on that boat where he got to see who Jesus was and what he did in that moment. I don't know about, about y'all, but, but, but I would have. I, I, I do frequently visit those times where God has and done and provided over and over and over in my life. Verse 9, he says this, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. See, this, this don't just happen. This type of catch don't just happen. This, this was, this was uh, to get their attention all the more. Look at verse 10. And so, so were also James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And so what we see here is, is this, is that logic and reason would have said, no, don't do it. It makes no sense. It just doesn't fit in the time. Uh, the, the frame is not right. It's just not the day. You don't do it like that. But on this day, in this moment, faith and obedience impacted Simon and his buddies. Did it not? Did it not? And so the question I would ask us this morning, church, is this. How is your faith and obedience impacting those around you? How is your faith and your obedience impacting those around you? Because, you know, we're not called to be closet Christians, we're called to, to live out our faith outwardly, to impact. Maybe, maybe a way to say it is this. Are those around you closer to heaven or hell by the life that you live? Are those around you, your coworkers, your family, your friends, your neighbors, 
shucks, even the person that you're going to eat lunch at the table next to today, are they closer to heaven or hell by the life that you live? Because the reality is this, our skeptical acts of silly obedience affects others. But on the flip, our lack of silly obedience affects others. It will either propel them more to Jesus or will lead them further away from Jesus by the way that we live our faith out in this world. Logic and reason would have said no, but on this day, in this moment, he acted out in obedience and it forever changed him. And look at what it says in verse 10 there toward the end. And Jesus said to Simon, there it is again, intentional personal. He says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And so what we see here is Jesus changes Simon's life, his heart, his purpose. That's what Jesus does. And church, the reality is this, it has, same thing happens with us. When we come to faith in Christ, our heart is changed, our whole purpose is changed. He has gifted us, he has wired us in certain ways, certain things in us, but our purpose as a Christian is to reach the world with the gospel. Our purpose as Christians is to engage. Our purpose as, as followers of Jesus is to make disciples. What we see here is that, that Peter goes from catching fish to catching what? Men. To, to going after people now. That's good, dude, that you could throw them at and you can catch these little fish, but, but, but I've, got, I've got a bigger catch for you. I've got something even, even greater than I need you to be doing. I need you to go after the heart of man the gospel. And church, he's commissioned us for the exact same thing as his followers, as his followers. So, so I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm sitting around trying to think, okay, how, how to, how, what, is this, what does this mean? Because it's easy to say, okay, go get people. But how do we get people? Like, how do we do that? What does that look like? How do we, and so I'm sitting there uh, last night and I'm thinking, and, and me being the big fisherman that I'm not, I, I, come up, I come up with this idea right here. This is what I got. And this is, like I said, the kind of fisherman that I am. This is my six-year-old's fishing pole. That's the only one I got. And yes, I did take the hook off because I didn't want to have to go to the hospital after this because there's a very good chance even just me and taking the hook off almost got me a couple times. Because it's like, you know it's sharp, and so you're like, oh, I just don't want to get too close to it, because, but I do kind of, and I'm like, oh, I got, no, it didn't get me. Uh, but I think of it like this. And so, so I've got this little fishing pole here, and how, how, do, we, how do we catch how do we catch people? And on the end of this, I've got a coffee pod. Because I would venture there's people in here that probably enjoy drinking coffee. I heard a yes and amen. Thank you for that, sister. And, and what I know is that there's people out there that don't know Jesus that likes to drink coffee. And how cool would it be if the people in here said, hey, what do you think about a little coffee? See, well, that just ruined that illustration. <laughs> See, I told you, no, I'm not a fisherman. See, I've already threw it out there. They've already hooked them. They're coming. We're doing coffee later. So that, that's, but, but it's, just, it's as simple as that. Hey, you want to go get coffee tomorrow? You wanna, how about, how about next, next Tuesday afternoon, man? Or, man, a rainy day like today it would be great to go hit up a little coffee, coffee spot. And I, what are we going to talk about? Whatever you want to talk about. I don't care. Saturday football, whatever, whoever, whatever. No, not whoever. That's not right to talk about whoever, but whatever. What about, what about like, <laughs> we're about to have to deal with something else right there for a second. Ooh, what about this one? This is a good one. Uh, let me, let me, I gotta bait it for a second. Hold on, don't look. Let me bait this. 
Uh, so I put a paper clip on there so it wouldn't get me. What about this? Little 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 passy. <laughs> no, you got a kid. And it fell off, but I threw it out there. <laughs> See, that's what happens. Like like I I catch I catch logs and stuff like that. You can just you can't keep that. We'll need that back for tonight. But you can just hold on to that for a second. See, so we can find it at night whenever it falls out, and we can keep on sleeping. I mean, but, but who, who, who's had kids? Who has kids? There's people out there that don't know Jesus that's had kids or has kids. Do you know the common bond that you can have? Man, I'm telling you, any parents in here struggle? Don't leave me up here. But I'm, okay, thank you. I was about to talk about line next. And yeah, absolutely. Good gosh. Is it not? I mean, the kids will make you feel crazy in a minute. I mean, that you will lose your mind in a second over. Why do they act like that? Because they're like their mama. But other than that, no, I'm just joking. I mean, so th- there's a great, go fish and find some people that's got kids. And have their kids over to your kid's house. Or no kids and go figure out how to do kids and manage and all that stuff. There's a way to fish for people. Here's another, here's another one like this. See, I didn't do the real hook. But right here. Now, this is a little football glove that belongs to my kids. Um, they're, they're playing football this year. And it was supposed to be easy for us because they practiced either on Monday, Tuesday, and played on Thursday. So we're like, okay, that's great. Our weekends are still kind of open. Um, but just so happens to have it, they... I think the Lord did this to me, strategically decided to put us practicing. Brody's team is the only team that practices on Monday. And Bennett practices on Tuesday. And then we play on Thursday. We're trying to do it to simplify our life. And God's like, no, I just need you to go, go fish for a little bit, man. And so I am stuck at practice with other parents who have kids that are playing football with my kid. And so I can kind of just, I'm stuck with them for an hour and then we go and we're stuck again Thursday for games for an hour. And so I have opportunity to do what? Have conversation. Invite. Talk. Go fishing. It's as simple as that. I get to meet some people now. I get to spend some time with people. I get to do things like that. What, what about this right here? Now this is a big, this is, this is going to catch a big one. You watch this. And it's going to upset some not big ones, but maybe not, maybe, I don't know. I'll just see if this will. Oh, yeah. I'm d- this right here will catch some, y'all. That little paw right there. Yeah, they're clapping. They're clapping. You just wait. You'll. Okay. <laughs> Usually I practice this stuff, and it's just, it didn't today. But, man, do you know, you know how easy it is to talk to a Clemson fan? Not if you're a Carolina fan, it's not. But if you're like a... <laughs> If you're a Clemson fan to talk to another Clemson, I'm a Mountaineer fan, so I can talk to everybody. We're just used to getting pummeled, and so 0-2, baby, there's always next year. Um, so how easy, I mean, that's an easy conversation starter. Man, what about the thing? And if you really like, want to have fun with it, what about the quarterback controversy? No, maybe? Anyways, that's coming week four or five. Hang tight. I mean, I've got other goofy little stuff up here. I'm going to quit. I can go forever. But, but, but that's as simple as it is. What do you like to do? Where are you spending time at? Who are you around? What, what, are, what are some of the things that God's put in your heart? Like, I've got golf balls up here. I've got a Captain American doll. Not because I play with Captain America, but there are people that like uh, that, that stuff. Like that stuff with them. Go, go find them. Meet them. 
They probably work with you. They're probably in your neighborhood. They're probably around. They're, they're, they're going to be everywhere. Why? Because we're going to be everywhere. And I just believe like, like what Jesus says in Matthew 28, go make disciples as you are going. This is what we're to be doing. We're to be fishing. You never leave house without your fishing pole. You, you never leave your house without your fishing pole because we've got the bait. The bait's in our heart. It's the gospel that drives it. And then with that, we find commonality. And you, you know what? Then we just invite. Hey, I'm not even saying invite them here. Invite them, invite them to lunch. Invite them to your house. And invite them somewhere. Get to know them. Spend time with them. Ask them questions. Do that. You never know what God will do with it. And I believe that those opportunities, I, I believe I believe, what is it called whenever they throw a bunch of fish in the pond and they stock it, right? Is that the right terminology? Fishermen, help me. They, they, they stock in it. I believe God stocked it for us. I believe he's stocking it even more so than ever right now. Have you looked at all the houses coming? Have you driven down Highway 9 between 3 and 7 p.m.? He has stocked this area. We just need to bait up and go. Bait up and go. And then look at the full effect of this silly act of obedience here. Look, look at what happens as, as a result of this. Verse 11. And when they brought their boats to land, they, who's the they? They are the ones that was just mentioned, not just one, but the whole crew, right? What do they do? They left everything and followed him. And look, when, when we are made aware of the one that is Lord, we leave everything and follow. We live absolutely everything and follow. And that's what they did here. They left everything and they followed. So as the band comes back up, the question I want you to think about is this. What about you? What, what about you? What are you not willing to give up to follow Jesus? Because what I've learned and what I know is Jesus loves you enough to just take it if he needs to. Because the greatest thing in our life is him. If, if you're his... It's him, and he loves you enough to take whatever it is that's replaced him or to move it to the side for a while. And that should be our prayer. God, do whatever you got to do for me to be fully about you, fully following, fully in. And what I love about this story here is, is that, that, that it radically changed them so much so that they left, they left everything. And what do we know from this story? From this day on, where Jesus went, they went. Now, there were some hiccups and some failures and stuff like that that happens later on in the story. But they take off after. To do what? To catch men. To catch men. So questions to, to close with. Are, are you following Jesus? Are you his? Have you had that boat moment of where you've seen Jesus Christ for who he is? Have you seen you for who you are? Lost, undone, can't do it yourself. Needing rescued and redeemed because of your sin. Have you come to that place of that boat moment? Do you do what he says? Are you just doing what he says? And that's why we want to read through the New Testament because we want to know what he says. My fear is that the church today, we don't know what he's told us to do. And hear me, that's not a good excuse. Like, like when you stand before me, well, well, why didn't you? I didn't know. I give you a book. Dang it, I give you the internet. I'm not saying you should go there and find all your answers, but I'm just, like, like there's, there's no excuse for us. 
In this day, they had to share the scriptures. They had to share the Every family didn't, they couldn't just pull it up. Hey, kid, go get, go get the app. I left it in, on the camel. Go grab it right quick and let's, let's pull up the iPad. Let's find that Bible. What's that Bible verse? They didn't have that. There's no excuse for us not to know God's word and do what he says. Maybe another question is, what, what does your obedience look like? What does your obedience look like? What does it look like for you to follow out and live out Jesus? No matter how big or how small, is your faith and obedience impacting others? The answer to that question is yes. Every single one of us this past week has impacted other people by our faith or lack of faith. Every single one of us. None of us are exempt. Every one of us has. Maybe the better question is, how are we? Positively for the cross, for the glory of God, or negatively? And then the last question I'll leave you with is this. What has or is it costing you to follow Jesus? It it costs him everything. If you haven't realized it's going to cost you everything, then maybe you're not following him. Because nothing's changed. His standard's still the same. His expectation is still the same. What he calls for out of obedience from us is complete and utter everything. So what's it cost you to follow Jesus? Because what I've learned is if there's not great cost, it's not worth very much. If there's never been cost, then the value of it is not that great. So following Jesus is going to cost you something. What does it cost you? Because I'm here to plead with you and tell you, man, what Jesus offers is so much greater than anything anybody or anything can promise us or give us. So I don't know what God stirred in your heart this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what, what's going on in your heart. But man, what I do know is this, is that Jesus has called us to follow. And he's given us a new heart and a new purpose. And that new purpose is to go after the world. And, and church, statistically speaking right now, we live in a nation of lostness. We live in a world that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ to be proclaimed and made known. And he has commissioned us and called us to do that and to go fish. You like coffee? Go drink coffee with somebody. You like, invite him over Saturday for the game. Get some wings in the grill going, man, and just have, just talk about, don't even talk about Jesus yet. Just get to know him. That's fine. And then, man, whenever, whenever that, moment, oh, that moment happens, because what, what I've seen is, I, I don't know much about fishing, but what little bit I do, is I can remember there was this time when I was, I was out there with, and I'm fishing, and they say, you, you want to wait, and you just want to just, I don't know, I think it's called setting the hook, maybe. God will give you that moment to set the hook with them. And then you just go and have conversation and share. Who's God put on your heart? Who do you need to go after? Who do you need to be fishing for? Father, help us in this moment to even act out in obedience, God, if it's, if it's because we've not been living and walking and living in our faith like we need to, Father, that you would convict and draw us. God, that you just do work in this place. If there be someone here that don't know his Lord and Savior, Father, I'm here. Jimmy's here. God, I just, I just pray that you would reveal that to the hearts and, and, and God, just save and rescue. And God, for those of us in this room that need to live out our faith more, Father, help us, give us the faith to do that. Give us the strength. Help us be creative. God, this week, I pray, God, this week, don't, even when we leave this place, God, don't, don't let us just hear a, a nice little sermon and walk out unchanged. But Father, help us uh, take this act of obedience to the streets. 
It's not enough just to hear it in here and do nothing with it, Father. God, let us, let us live it out. God, I would imagine right now that there's people in this room that don't know their neighbors. There's people in this room that don't know people they work with. There's people in this room that have got family that need you. Father, help us be creative and think of ways to reach them with the gospel. So then we pray. Amen. They're going to lead us in a time of, of response. If you want to come pray, whatever we can do to just encourage you and walk with you, we're here.